Hello, hello everyone out in the uh, the old internet world. RD is joining me again tonight for a turf cast. We know that it's Monday Night Football tonight. I think it's the first week. I don't know why we planned this, but that's just exactly what we always do. We have no plan. So that's correct, right, RD? Listen, um, I'm not going to say that we exclude Broncos and Seahawks fan, but, you know... Uh... I, I I'm I'm over here on the side of the country. You know, I follow real football east of the Mississippi. So it's just <laughs> the way I roll. And and listen, I think this I can say uh with without uh any untrue statements, this is the first time in eighteen years the Browns are one and oh, if you can believe that. So I today am a happy person. Very happy person. I didn't really and, uh <laughs> I, I didn't really follow much of went on what went on yesterday except for the game uh, that I was watching, so I watched the game yesterday, and let me tell you what. Uh, there are probably disgruntled fry cooks at McDonald's that looked more engaged in their job than Aaron Rodgers did yesterday. So if you're a <laughs> Packers fan, I feel for you, but my goodness. Um, yeah. Listen, uh, you know, he kind of looks like, you know, he maybe we just did a big seed project or something like that, and it just, you know, rained and washed everything away. We all know that feeling, except for he had to show up with no receivers and, you know, Kind of, kind of a suspect offensive line. So, hey, it's, and some it's kind of haircut what? now that I'm not sure what he's going for, but it's very. You know interesting. what? I, I think uh, you know I, I saw that haircut and I thought to myself, man, if we could only get RK and Connor to have that contest, not the mullet, but up top where we can put a little bow up here in the top, like a little ponytail. Mm-hmm. I think you guys would wreck it. I think it'd be great. So, we'll call Connor up here after the show. And challenge him and just say, "Hey, man, the mullet's all well and good, but I bet you can't, uh, you know, do a mini pony in the back here come next spring." I don't think we should actually egg him on because he will definitely do that. There's no doubt about it. And the then he's going to force don't me to him. do it, and don't I don't him. think I want to do that. I just don't think I want to do that. You would look. Uh, there's. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. There was a, a guy, a celebrity, like. Um, Oscar Isaac, the guy who's in uh, like the star, some of the Star Wars movies, the most recent ones, he had a period where he had that whole haircut going on, you know, like down below the ears, but then the, the pony. Uh, it's it's a weird look, man. That's a weird look. Well, the thing with Rogers is that it just it looks very uneven, almost like one side is like longer than the other or something. I didn't Maybe. get it, but remember, like uh, you know, people of a certain age will know this, but. You know, uh, the the kid rappers, uh, crisscross, you know, wearing your clothes backwards and all that stuff. Maybe this mm-hmm. is just part of the way that the world is cycling back to RK. You know, um, and listen, look, look at you. You were trying to bring Kentucky 31 back, you know. So yeah. what was what was old again is once again new. <laughs> and here we are. You know, you, you may start a craze, although I can't be part and party to it. Uh, not at this juncture. I, I don't think I'll I'm going to say. It has surprised me that it has looked better than I anticipated it would because I've seen some bad stuff in my day. But maybe we can attribute it to our beautiful Iowa soil out there. I'm not really sure, but something's going on with that that K31. It's not as bad as I thought. I was thinking about you the other day because a contractor friend of mine called me and you know we were, we were talking briefly, and he's like, "Oh, I've got a truck showing up here." He's he's a, a seed installer. He he does big seed jobs, sod jobs, all that kind of stuff. And um, he said, "Oh, I got a delivery truck showing up here. I got to go." I said, "Oh, would would you get?" You know, just figuring it's you know his normal spec mix. And he's like, "Oh, I got an entire truckload of Kentucky Thirty One for this 
warehouse complex that has like a special seed mix. It was uh, it was eighty percent um, Kentucky thirty one and twenty percent Italian rye. Oh, why why I don't know, um, but somebody got a little exotic there on the uh, on the mix. So I didn't have a chance. Have you to ever seen that, that before? Eighty twenty is pretty common. Eighty of like uh, what they call uh, oh, that specific know. rye, like oh, an Italian rye. Yeah, I mean in different yeah. mixes, but not as twenty percent of a an eighty twenty uh, turf type tall fescue and or tall fescue in this case, and twenty uh, percent rye. I've never seen that blend uh, or mixture rather uh, as as part of a seed spec. So, like I said, it, it's either one of two things. Some landscape architect got really cute. Um, and did that, and I don't think so because actually I talked to the seed supplier who I also know, and I said, you know, I asked him after the fact, I was like, hey, what's the deal with that? And he was like, he's like, actually, we tried to like substitute and just put um, perennial rye at first, and then annual rye, and both times they rejected it. So either they were just looking at the words on the page and didn't see Italian, or you know, like I said, somebody got a bug up their butt and was like, yeah, man, we're gonna do Italian rye and Kentucky Thirty One. You know, it's like going to going to, uh, you know, Golden Corral when they have, you know, uh, you know, spaghetti and then you get like fried chicken next to it. You know, you're going to mix the Italian with the Kentucky. It's everything. Go out on a limb here and say I've never been to Golden Corral. I've actually never been to Golden Corral. I've been to Sizzler before. Never been to Golden Corral. Have no desire to stick my uh, digits mouth or any other part of my body appendages or otherwise near the chocolate fountain it kind of freaks me out and uh <laughs> you know with that being said I, I i don't know where else to go other than to say um you know let's talk grass so l- listen i um i have a uh i got a story here real quick of uh, the field that's actually behind me here so this is one of the bermuda fields that we did that opened up uh a couple weeks ago i talked about it on the show if you if you are a loyal Turfcast listener, first of all, thank you for being here. Secondly, uh, this is the field that lost power. I told the story about this uh, a couple episodes ago about we lost power literally the day that we sprigged and had to like scramble and go rent a big generator like a towable one, and then didn't have the it wasn't the right time for the controller, so we you know had trouble running irrigation first. Long story short, it turned out great. But uh, talking to the football coach the day, the morning of the game, and. Uh, he walks out there. He's an old timer, you know. He's he's kind of come back to coach his last four or five years at uh, his alma mater there, and he's coached all over for like forty years, you know. So been a lot, been around, seen a lot, and uh, and he's sitting there talking to me, blah blah blah. And he gets done. He's like, "Okay, I got to get going here." And he's like, "Hey, Ryan." I said, "Yeah." He's like, "I just got to tell you, I've never seen an old girl look so good in a new dress in my entire life, man." And he gave me this wink and smile. <laughs> And he just turned around and walked away. I'm like, oh man, like I don't, I you know, it, it, you know that comment could have been anywhere from crude to you know very complimentary, but I I took it more on the on the latter than the former. But still, it was it was pretty funny to hear him say that. And uh, you know, so anyway, long story short, and that, then just mic dropped. Oh yeah, yeah, he didn't walk away. didn't he didn't wait he didn't wait for the response. It was yeah, it was a total mic drop walk off the stage. He knew what he was doing. It was it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. So. But yeah. Uh, well, so for ahead. those of us, I'll just, you know, let everybody know here for those of us joining, those of you joining tonight who might be watching and are not a member, this is a members only 
chat. So if you want to participate in that, you can uh, go ahead and join and become a member. The reason we do that is just to try to make sure everybody gets their question answered and it doesn't get too crazy there in the comment section. So if you want to become a member, head over to my channel and go ahead and click the join button if you're on iOS. You're going to have to go through the browser, I believe. There's still some sort of weird bug that Apple cannot seem to figure out there. So I don't think um, it's I, I don't think it's a bug. I just think it's uh you know uh Tim Cook, you know, doing the It's the, on purpose then. The troll, the the heavy duty billion dollar, multi billion dollar uh troll job. You gotta respect the, yeah. the commitment there. Thank you, Tim. Jay Pink says it is Google being greedy and it's not Apple's fault. So he Oh, is, he's an he's Apple the apologist. One in the know. He's he's an yep. Apple apologist. But uh, for those of you that don't know who we talk, if we're talking about J Pink, J Pink is our wonderfully exquisite and behind the curtain. If he wasn't here, none of this would be tin cans, and uh, you all might be able to listen with somewhere near twenty eight point eight k quality. I'm trying to mute you, Demay. But it just isn't no, sticking. It's just not. It's not working. It's not working. I can't he's give you the He's just the man behind the curtain. He just speaks like he he's in Oz yeah. right now. So. He is. He is. Uh, so, um, okay. So, uh, you know, for those of you that are Turfcast listeners, uh, again, thank you for being here. Uh, if you don't know about the Turfcast, you can always go ahead and visit uh, RK's website and take a peek at that. Uh, I believe it's under the podcast tab, or if you just go to simplecast.com and search for the Ryan Nor podcast, it's under there. We've recorded, RK, I think about 30 or so of these over the last two plus years. Uh, we get on here, we chit chat. It's uh, some BS, some. There's always some football mixed in. There's some weather talk, usually. we got to have some weather talk because we're from the Midwest. Yeah. And Haven't what done better subject to, to start to be the, you know, the beginning, the middle, and the end of a conversation, right? It was the weather. And then uh, we try to answer questions on here because typically we'll get user-submitted questions through email and some other communication means. But we chose to do this live thing about once a month, and we've, we've been okay with it. The summer was a little bit busy. We'll have a little bit more time. But we wanted to get on here tonight because I'm sure, uh, RK, as we always say, this is the beginning of the fiscal year if you're in cool season territory, right? Time to build roots, time to reestablish a lawn, time to oversee it, all those kind of things. And so we just wanted to be available to our members, talk a little bit, chit-chat, and uh, go from there. So if you have questions and you're a member, go ahead and dump those into the chat. We've got a few that were submitted to us via Instagram and some other stuff, and we'll kind of just... Uh, pitter-patter along and pick those up along the way. Um, but RK, I have to ask the question about the grass of the future. What a stunning title, first of all. I appreciate that. <laughs> and secondly, um, I guess we've talked a little bit about you. Well, last year we talked all about your plots, and I came away from that being like, holy crap, this guy's going to do it. And then you sent yep. me the plan over. And I, then I, even more, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's really going to do it. And so I want to I understand the, the, the decision to do what you did. If you want to explain to folks and just go ahead and tease, I don't want to spill the beans on the video that just came out if you haven't watched it. But go ahead and tell us a little bit more. Uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. I want to hear the why. Mm -hmm. I love when you explain the why. Well, I was uh... – standing back today looking at everything as I just mowed today and everything looked nice and clean. And I was like, this is actually turning into a pretty cool little area. And a lot of people at the beginning 
I think really did not understand what I was up to, but that is not uh, uncommon because I have some, you know, crazy grass tendencies and it takes a while for everybody to get on board with what I'm doing. But the whole point now, I guess I would say I'm one year in on my normal plots on the six that are the grass types, you know, the the ones that I sell. And those are, are going to stay there long term. I know RD and I talked about on our last Turfcast really having a spot where I don't want to do a whole lot to those or change them or renovate them, just kind of let them over the next few years here be what they're going to be and show you more of a long-term situation there. So that's that's that part. But then, of course, I'm doing some fun, weird stuff with some micro clover now, putting some clover into the turf. I have a turf-type tall fescue and clover mix plot, and that one is doing exceptionally well right now. So I think that's just going to be interesting to see, you know, mixing in something that we would consider a weed, but micro clover, the way that they're doing it is, from what I've been told, if you continue to mow it and do some things, it should be a much smaller leaf that's on there. And also it should blend in better and not look so patchy like clover, the typical clover does. So we're going to see how that goes. But then what I'm doing with the drought testing is I wanted to take all of those six plots pretty much and move them into a drought testing scenario. So next year, I'm going to get them established right now. Um, I'm actually getting really good germination on those about 10 days into it now. So I'm going to do that. And then I want to see next year, obviously, what goes dormant the fastest. What do things look like in our most stressful period here in about midsummer or so? You never know what you're going to get in terms of the irrigation, just because sometimes it rains here, but in the last three, four years, it has been really dry. And so I want to see that. And then I want to see as well what happens after we get to this fall scenario here. What do they look like for recovery? Does something need to be overseeded? Does it not? And then we're going to do this over a few seasons at least. So take out some of the variables of you know it just being one year, maybe you get more rain than others. And I'm really looking forward to that because the title of the video uh, talks about the future of grass. And I think that we all know uh, that no matter what, water conservation and everything in a lot of parts of the country is going to be very, very important going forward. Not that it hasn't been in the past, but I think we know there's a lot of restrictions coming in in certain areas. And so if you want to have a yard and you want to have it look the best, then it's not only me doing this research. There's a lot of people, a lot of uh, drought research already being done, but I want to take some of those cultivars and really understand what's going to be best and put that into my bags going forward. So that's what my that's what I'm up to. Man, I, I'll tell you what, the, that's, that really does excite me. Um, and not that it matters what I think, but I, I, it excites me <laughs> because I, I think those uh, sustained, you know, over the course of time type studies are are worth it right even if they're just applied research and you're just looking at you know the visual quality and or you know uh root de root density root mass root length all those kind of things um that can be a little bit subjective and a little bit odd you know at certain times but uh i think it's going to give everybody a, a pretty good indication of what's going on now the uh, i wonder and this is a real question about the micro clover um, I know this can be a, a, an issue with uh, clover lawns in general, but do you have any worries about out there deer feeding on that stuff and just raking through it? Yep, yep. So yep. definitely, that was one of the <laughs> yep. that was one of the main comments right away. Was like, if you don't get that thing covered with something or 
fenced off or whatever, that is not going to last very long. And so Kelsey and I put up a six foot fence around that last week and Mm. we're getting started on so far so good, but we're going to see long-term what it needs. It's only Mm. a, I don't know, I think seven by 12, that plot. So it's not a huge area that I couldn't, you know, fix it if need be. But so far, I just did my first mow on it today and I just went for it, you know, a real mow. Just buzz it right off and see what happens. Well, there you go. That's not bad. Yep. I think, uh, you know, with the drought tolerance, you know, I mean, I, I'll say it. You know what's going to happen, right? It's going to be the wettest summer <laughs> in Iowa history yeah. next year. Yeah. So book it, ladies and gentlemen. RK will wear his uh, wear his uh, rain jacket to work every day, hoping that it'll rain, trying to do the reverse psychology of the weather, and it will not happen. It simply won't. Yeah. So. Hey, One of the other things proceed. about it oh, as ahead, well, just quickly, that I think that's maybe better about that soil type out there is that it does dry out a lot faster, it being more sandy, as you saw. So that's going to be oh, yeah. a, probably a better test for me than it would have been at my home lawn because I have a lot more moisture that stays in the ground here than I do out there. Definitely. And for those of you that, you know, uh, well, I, I'm probably one of the few that have been out to the property, but... Um, you know, it is a much sandier, kind of a, a very dirty sand, I guess, is the best way to put it. So, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a sandy loam soil, I think, is probably how it would be classified uh, texturally on the soil texture triangle. Whereas, you know, your home lawn is, you know, very much a silty clay. Uh, yep. And in that case, right, you've, you, you're you holding on to a lot of excess moisture uh, that's hard to get rid of. And consequently, uh, kind of going to mess up the whole drought strategy uh from a testing standpoint so yeah Yeah. that uh, like i said that'll be interesting Uh, i love the long-term aspect and that's probably one of the coolest things about this property is just like to watch the evolution and see it all take place and unfold so we Mm -hmm. will see what happens uh let's go ahead real quick let me find this real quick because i've got stuff open all over the place as usual and yep we've got some questions rolling in here Pull this up. All right, here we go. All right, so Nemesis256 writes in, Hi, Patrick from New Hampshire here. What's your guys' take on humic acid and or seaweed? Do the benefits change based on the soil type? I have a pH of 7.1, 80% sand. Thinking about using either Simple Lawn Solutions products or the granular. All right, so RK, do you want to go first? you want me to go first? Uh, I, I guess I will just say from my experience, I think it's been hard to tell exactly what it does or doesn't do. I know I do use the humic acid with the seaweed product specifically. I do like that one. Uh, usually, typically, I'll put that down, oh, probably like during the summertime or something just to give things a little added boost or when I'm growing something in, I might add that one that has a little seaweed in there. But again, to quantify exactly what that does or doesn't do I, I guess it would be hard for me to say um in my own experience if i could look at that and say mm, yeah it made a huge difference or it didn't yeah i, I think you know from uh um proving what the uh, you know what those mechanisms are a lot of it comes down to um you know the way the plant uses those compounds as uh biostimulants right in particular on the seaweed extract, 
because it contains plant growth hormones that uh, the plant, especially cool season plants, right, will uh, struggle to uh, create in times of high stress. And so by giving it, you know, by providing these what we call exogenously or like applying it to the surface, right, allowing it to go into the leaf, uh, we can supplement that to a certain extent. Um, you know, what we're trying to do in essence, right, is to help that plant through a stress period by using these things. Uh, it's something that you're not going to necessarily see the benefits from of using these uh, these products in a single-use setting. Uh, I think it has to be a sustained effort if you want to see uh, results, if any. And I also think it's important to leave a check plot uh, no matter what you do. And what I mean by a check plot is an area, a small area, uh, if you want to make it out of view so that nobody else can see, that's fine. But make sure that you do this and, uh, and don't treat that with the same product so that you can see, okay, here's you know all my grass that's treated with the, with these products, right? And then here's a two or three or four square foot area that's not, right? And you can still run your granular program, whatever you're going to do, right? Uh, the easiest way to do this is just take, you know, you can take a shoebox, you can take a little piece of cardboard, piece of plywood, something like that, right? And just lay that down right over top of the grass in the area that you want to create your check plot. So I'd highly encourage you to do that. Um, if you want to look up some more information on um, seaweed extract and humic acid, probably the, the, the seminal university research that occurred on this uh, took place oh, about 20 or so years ago, and it's been followed up on by a guy named Eric Irvin. Uh, that's E-R-I-K-E-R-V-I-N. Uh, Dr. Irvin uh, was at the uh, Virginia Polytechnic Institute, otherwise known as Virginia Tech, there for a, a long time. He's sw since switched over. He's now at the University of Delaware uh, and still conducting research there. So uh, he's got some wonderful stuff out that you can look at all the data and graphs and things like that and see uh, plant roots that were you know treated with uh, seaweed only, humic acid only, uh, humic acid and seaweed together. And there's some really cool stuff in there that shows you a little bit of the visual impact and that also talks about, if you read the papers, you know how much that there is still to learn about that. And there's not necessarily been a ton uh, of work since uh, Dr. Irvin mm -hmm. did some of those first uh, studies. So I'd encourage you to check those out. Eric Irvin, uh, check out the seaweed extract, humic acid, and see what you can find out. But leave that check plot, please. Okay. Yep. Next Fire question away, we have is a uh, great green north lawn care. So what oh are your thoughts boy. on nitrogen in the fall? How much and when should you put it down? So uh, I'm assuming the great green north would probably be up in Canada or somewhere close to that. But, I believe um, he is in Canada. He is he is uh, messaged me on one of the social media platforms, possibly discord, possibly um, Instagram. But yeah, uh, and I think he's got a YouTube channel or something, maybe. Maybe I'm okay. I, I might be misremembering here, but in any I event, know I've, uh, I know I've seen that handle before. Maybe it was on Instagram or somewhere. But uh, so that was many keystones about, ago. Yes, as we've talked about for cool season turf, your fall is the most important time to build your lawn for the next season. So that's when I'm going to typically be putting down the majority if I'm doing more of a granular normal program. I'm doing more of a spoon feed program on my real mode turf, but if, uh, on a taller grass like I'm doing in my backyard, this would be when I would apply most of my nitrogen. Um, so exactly how much and when you should put it down, I mean, this can be difficult to say exactly just because of different soil types and what your lawn is looking like. Have you been doing a fertilizer program for a while? Is it a new lawn? Um, all these things are different scenarios, but I would say for me, 
personally, I'm probably going for about two pounds of nitrogen in the fall. And that's spread out every couple weeks, maybe every three weeks, something like that, until we get to the frost time. So that's kind of what I do. But RD, you can mm. chime in. Oh, man. How, uh, how, how deep do we want to go here? Okay, I'll, I'll try to limit my response to two minutes or less. All right. Um, so, Great Green, uh, here's what I tell you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> poor Alex, RIP. Um, so, I would say this is, uh, you know, uh, as far as nitrogen goes on cool season grass, particularly where you're at, right? So, if you are in, uh, I'm assuming that you're somewhere in southern Canada, right? Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but let's just assume that. So, you're, you know, kind of a, an upper Midwest type of climate, we'll just say. Uh, if that's the case and we're on cool season grass, I think you know there's a couple of caveats here that need to be uh, remembered as you go through and plan out your nitrogen uh, for the fall. Number one is that uh, if you, it really depends on how much you've already put out, but we really would like to put out about 50% or so uh, of our total nitrogen for the year, maybe even a little bit more uh, during that fall period. And for fall up there, I would say that you're probably in a August 15th until about maybe October 31st. That would be what I would consider uh, turf grass fall for you. So uh, plan your apps accordingly. Uh, the other thing, and if you uh, watch the other podcast that I take part in, which is Burner Return, there'll be an episode coming out here where we talked a little bit about this uh, just this past week. And uh, what we highlighted was that there's some really interesting research out of Michigan State that talks about what RK just mentioned, new lawns versus old lawns. And when I say old, I mean 10 or more years old, right, where uh, the amount of nitrogen it takes for that lawn to uh, be uh, good looking, high performing and all that kind of stuff actually goes down. Uh, as that lawn ages, especially past 10 years. And so the point being there is that we can actually reduce the amount of nitrogen that we put down, particularly in fall, where we could have issues with leaching and other uh, issues where the fate, right, is what we call it, the fate of nitrogen in the environment could be ending up down a storm drain, ending up in leaching into water, things like that, and we want to avoid that. Finally, the last thing I'll say here real quick is uh, some other really, really good research out of the University of Wisconsin about oh so 10 or so years ago. RK and I have made several videos on it uh, to talk about and highlight the research of Dr. Doug Soldat. So if you want to look this up, uh, really good information out there from uh, Dr. Soldat and his then grad student and now uh, PhD, Bill Kreuzer. So that's uh, Doug, S-O-L-D-A-T. Just look up late season fertilization. He'll talk a little bit about that. But the basic premise is this, is that as we go through the fall time and in your area, I would say that by October 31st, if you were to make that application on Halloween, you would be getting in about 12% of the actual nitrogen they're putting down into the plant. That's roughly what uh, Soldat's research bears out. Whereas if you put that same application, same rate down, two months prior, say at the beginning of September or right about where we're at right now, you'd get better than 80% of that nitrogen in the plant. So as you see, as the uh, plant starts to, or as the times get colder, the plant's taking up and needing less water because of shorter day lengths, more moisture in the ground, all those sorts of things, the demand for nitrogen is less and therefore the more that you put out does not necessarily mean the more that you get in. So be cautious, be judicious with that. And with that, RK, I yield my time back. That was amazing. You were just working through that just all that research that you look at i i will uh, come to rd and i'll say hey i need to know something about whatever topic and he'll say just a moment i will get you the research paper and there it is it's like a library so that and music videos i always i always i always surprise you, you with music yep. videos too you got a, yeah right. you got 
After this is the next question here. After watching the Detroit Lions disappoint me yet again yesterday, I've been looking forward to this all damn day. A quality oh. bush latte in hand and talking grass. Perfect end to a Monday. Well, we thank you for joining us. And uh, I have my keystone in this cup right here. So. Hey, you know what? The best thing you can do as a as a Detroit Lions fan, and I, trust me, I did this for years as a Browns fan, so I can I have full empathy here, is just look forward to that uh, top 10 pick that you're going to get here in about eight months. <laughs> it's a great feeling, isn't it? You got something yep. to look forward to. Hey, again and next again. That's what, that's what I always say. There's always next season, usually after the first week. But all right, go on. RK, what's our next question? Well, let's. Uh, I think you should go with this one. We know our friend here, Jesse. So, oh see, my uh, goodness! Let's see here. Jesse says, uh, Jesse Bousquet uh, uh, says, I'm spraying ethofumisate to help with a POA problem. Should I do a split up of the etho and also apply a pre-emergent like prodiamine later in the fall, or skip that until spring? It's a great question. Now I know this, and uh, a lot of people probably don't, but I know that Jesse is on a full hundred percent. Perennial ryegrass lawn, RK, a man after your heart. So I know I'll say that he's just, I'll say this. Yeah, ethofumisate in a in a pure ryegrass stand is a fantastic, fantastic tool that you can use to manage uh, poa annua. So, uh, with that being said, Jesse, uh, to answer your your first question about using etho in a split app, absolutely, I would do a split app. I would do at least two applications. Uh, possibly three if you can fit it in if you haven't done one already, uh, and you're looking to go at that two pounds of active ingredient rate is uh, your sweet spot. So I'd be you know I'd be applying one now, and I'd probably give it about at least four weeks, and then you know timing wise, I wouldn't be afraid to put one out in November, especially if you're in a typical uh, and again folks might not know this, but in a typical New England uh, fall and late fall, uh, that's where Jesse hails from is uh, the New England area. And uh, I would be not. I would not be afraid to make that third app if need be. The prodiamine, I think, at this point is sort of a, a, a moot point, uh, basically because we're trying to prevent poannual germination, which ethofumisate is actually uh, a, a fairly decent pre-emergent, right? But at this point, whatever poannual that you do have has already germinated. The prodiamine is not going to help at this point. Uh, I don't see that as a as a winning strategy, right? So. Um, the other thing to consider there too, if you are not Jesse and you're ever thinking about doing this, would just be, you know, think about your seeding strategy relative to using at the fumisate, and especially if you're going to use prodiamine on the front end of that, that could be a little problematic and tricky on the timing. So just be careful of that. But Jesse, good luck uh, at the fumisate. Wonderful product uh, to use on Poe, especially on 100% ryegrass stand. I think you'll see very, very good luck, and you might need to make a follow up app next spring. But let's do those two apps and see where you get weather wise, and go from there. Awesome. Gary B. joined as a member, so thank you very much. We got a uh, super chat there, $2, says, Good evening, Ryobi tools are trash. So okay. I guess well, they wanted to let us know that. I don't have any, that, I don't th- think. But That guy, you know, I mean, clearly this guy works for Craftsman. What is the, I have to go look at that chart. You know where they've got like the whole family tree of how, you know, the cartels basically own, you know, all the tool brands at this point. Uh, I, I have to memorize that because I don't have it all memorized, but... Um, hey man, it's just the way the world works, you know, buy a different yep. color. That's what, uh, you know, that's what we always used to say in the golf world, you know, people, oh, there it is. Look at this. Yeah. Um, you know, people would always say, man, that John Deere mower sucks or that Jacobson mower is a piece of trash or this. It's like, Hey, just buy a different color, man. You know, and then you'll get sick of that, wear it out and you go back. I think I told this story one time, RK real quick before we go to another question, but 
I remember like I was I was young. I was probably 16, 17 years old working on the golf course, right? And this guy's name, his actual name was Marty. And Marty was like a salesman salesman. Like he would probably sell something. He would sell life insurance to his mother on her deathbed. Like that's how much <laughs> of a salesman Marty was. So um, I remember he was, a, he was a Toro salesman. And uh, he would come in and bring equipment. We'd get to try it out, all that kind of stuff. And one day he rolled in and we had a John Deere Greensmore. It was like, you know, probably the second generation that John Deere had put out. They were still fairly new in the golf market at that time. And he just starts going off MF in this thing. And, oh, it's a piece of trash. It won't cut below an eighth of an inch for nothing, blah, blah, blah. Just ripping it up and down, right? So I was, you know, I was a kid. I was in school. So, I, you know, that summer I, I, I worked there. I go back to school. I come back, uh, you know, once school's out the following summer and Marty rolls in. But Marty's got a different truck this time. And I'm like, is that is that, that Marty guy? What's he doing? Uh, well, he rolls uh, yeah. in and guess what shirt he's wearing? He's wearing a John Deere shirt. And he's coming in to tell us, hey, you know, that mower you looked at, it's it's got a lot of benefits, a lot of positive features, guys. I don't know why you're not taking a look at it, but you really – and I was like, man, these are the people that, you know, will uh, – We'll, we'll we'll sell you you know sell you for I don't uh, for know nothing. I don't know how someone can sleep at night like that I just don't well it. it's some somewhere in some odd space Marty's probably got a YouTube channel you know uh, unscrupulously selling products and not giving a whole lot of value on the front end but I yeah. digress I mean I'm the, not I'm not here to judge he he needs to do his job but man that's a that's a little oh, bit yeah. over the top drinking the Kool Aid so okay yep uh, let's see here. All right. Uh, I think we're down to Pete, Pete Scroggs. Scroggs. He says, RK marketing op. With all the battery-powered mowers out there, we need a mid-priced battery real mower. Not all hmm. have lawn or budget to justify a swordman, but would pay 500 to 750 thoughts. Well, you know, I would love the same thing. Unfortunately, I'm not in charge of these types of things, but uh, I'm going to go yeah, out on a limb here and say, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to be shocked by. I might consider actually using like this new battery powered Milwaukee that I have that I've actually really enjoy. I might actually say I would go like one inch rotary with a lawn striper on the back and you might not notice much of a difference. I'll tell you what, Ooh. like um, we, uh, you know, we, we joke and talk and everything like that about rotary versus real and everything like that. I would say that um, most of cool season baseball stadiums that you see uh for the most part are um uh, rotary mode at an inch or so uh some with rotor rollers mm -hmm. to, to create the stripes and some with just regular mowers there's no stripes and they're bagging everything and all that kind of stuff but yeah you'd be surprised they make um i have to find the manufacturer gosh it escapes me right now but there is a manufacturer that makes blades that are like super super thin so on low cut like you can really get it dialed in um and you know the, the so that's the upside the downside is is that they go dull really quickly you have to pull them off a lot and sharpen yeah. them but but i mean i've seen some turf mode at like three quarters of an inch with the rotary um yeah i think i've showed you some of the baseball parks around here that i know that um mm -hmm. are professional you know triple uh, a parks that yep. are mowing with the rotary mower just because it's easier and that's well, and I know if you, you and I, I think both follow Mr. David Miller on, you know, he mm -hmm. posts a lot on Instagram and stuff. It's really cool if you haven't checked that out, if you're interested in what goes on on some of these high-end oh, fields. And, yeah. 
he uh i know they have a bobcat that they uh rotary that they use for a lot of things because i've seen that on there multiple times but i don't know on this milwaukee for sure if it's because of the electric motor the way that it i'm not, I'm not exactly sure but all i know is it is cutting better than i anticipated and extremely clean so it's good yeah i don't know i think it's uh I, I think somebody will get that doubt in and figure it out, right? Like, you know, you're you're essentially just trying at this point, I think, for most of these manufacturers to mash up the tech, right, and figure out how to make it all work. I think somebody will come along in the rotary space uh, and do a pretty good job. Look at this. It's discontinued, J-Pink. What are we going to do? You're oh, going to find man. these on eBay. So, you know, uh, probably uh, our good friend Jacob from uh, one of our Discord services has probably gotten to every Lowe's uh, up and down Interstate 95 <laughs> and bought every one of these, and he's selling them on eBay right now for like $800. What is this one? Oh, that's a battery-powered reel. Push reel. Yeah, push I have seen reel. that, but I've, I've heard some not-so-great things about them, but I won't give judgment until I try one. Yeah, that just seems... Um, I, you know what? I saw... I don't think it was corded either. I was actually driving down the street just yesterday, and it was orange. It might have been a Fiskars or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know the brand for sure, but it was orange, and it looked like a battery-powered reel. I don't think it was a push, and I don't think I saw a cord. Maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, I mean, I was doing like 35, so I don't know. Minimum height of cut, 0. 0.6 inches on that. 0. 0.6, yeah. Well, hey, uh, well, we'll have to... Let's we'll go find one because it looks like they're out of their back order. They're out of stock right now. So, yeah, you know, for two hundred seventy bucks, you know, I'll, we'll mess around and find out. So, mm -hmm. okay. So let's see and jump back in here on the questions here. So we've got uh, Gary B. He's a new member. Gary, welcome. I did a full renovation of my backyard. Use turf, tall fescue. It's pretty light in some areas. My question is, what grass seed should I use to thicken it up? Uh, so, Gary, not knowing when you did it and how thin it is and all that kind of stuff, I'll just go ahead and say is use the same seed that you used already. Um, you know, there's a variety of things I would say with uh, tall fescue is that uh, it will pop up fairly quickly, get going, you know, pretty quickly. You should be doing your first mow on it, I'd say, within three weeks. RK, you did uh, your neighbor's lawn. Was that last year or two years ago now? I can't remember. Your neighbor across the street. Uh, was, that was... It was two years ago, wasn't it? Let's see. Two years ago. Yeah. Time flies, RK. Time flies. I almost showed now, it again the other day. I took some footage of it, and I did, cut it out of the did, video. Did, now, they I moved, like, right? Ah, I oh, yeah. I don't want to show they, it. It's painful. They moved, and now they've let it go to hell, right? Yeah, I'm telling you, no people are going to drive down that street. It's 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 uh, what's the name of that uh, uh, Green Day song? The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That's what's going to be your your old street's going to be the Boulevard of Broken Lawns. You know, and drive down yep. the street. So some some dad's going to tell his kids, you know, Ryan Nor used to live on this street, and everything went to hell in a handbasket after he left. Yeah, <laughs> maybe That's or maybe they'll be like, God, I'm glad me. that guy's gone. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, you should go back. And look at it like a year from now. I was like, no, I won't be doing that. I, I will not be doing that. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, well, hey, hopefully nobody desecrates your lawn. Hopefully they'll embrace it for what it is. But, hey, we won't have full control over that anymore. Uh, nope. Let's see. Let's see here. Kevin Shepard, our guy Kevin. Uh mm -hmm. What sprayers have you considered for the new property? Do you plan on getting a PTO-driven unit? Have you looked at any of the FS manufacturing sprayers? 
Uh, they are an upper Midwest uh, North Dakota company. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are you thinking about the sprayers? I, I, I would I, mean, I would love to get into this talk. We have not spoken about this yet, I don't think, at length. And boy, howdy, this gets me. I'm, I'm tightening really up my microphone here because we're getting into the deep stuff. Um, Let's go. No, I, I have looked at some of the FS stuff. Actually, I just asked you about this. I think you did, day, and I, and I said, actually told yeah. you to ask Kevin because he. Yep. It's funny. So I told you to ask, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. He started posting some pictures of this um, in one of our chat servers and things like that, and and actually came together really cool the way that he did his. But I'm curious for you, what which ones have you looked at? Uh, I think you were asking me about the ATV sprayer that they have. Yeah, well, I was looking at I think the pull behind one that you can pull behind a ATV or something, but honestly. Long term here, I really want to get it right on sprayer. I don't know when or how that's going to happen, but I think that that might be the ticket for me because I want an acre and a half of ryegrass, and we're going to be doing some spraying. Yeah, that, I mean, listen, I, all the environmentalists, please close your ears, your mouths. <laughs> yeah, RK, with the summers that you've had recently, I mean, that stuff is literally going to be living in a jacuzzi of pesticides for about, well, three or so months. So, yeah. you might be hey, surprised. You know what? I'm t- I-, I, think, I think you will. I think, you know, the uh, pushing the limit there of, of what needs to be done. And you know, here's the thing it's ryegrass. You know, worst case scenario, you know, you get beat up a little bit, some gray leaf spots, something like that. Eh, just overseed it, right? You know, it's a. It's no big deal. It's back up in you know seven days and rock and rolling again. That's so, what I did uh, on the on the fringes of my plots on the the main six. There's a fringe area that's probably five feet wide that I planted with the same ryegrass that's in the ryegrass plot. But this one I didn't water. Now we got maybe some overspray here and there a little bit, but for the most part, midsummer it was straw brown. I was driving over it, beating it up, trying to see how bad I could treat it, you know, like Connor. And uh, <laughs> no doubt. it honestly, right now, I would say the cover is back to, I could use my fancy app. I will have to do that, RD. But uh, I'm going to say it's about 90%. So, okay. Are you using a, a can of pale? I'm, I need to, but I'm saying I haven't tested that yet. But visually, oh. Okay. Not much died off. I, I've actually was pretty surprised. So we're going to see uh, and what I happens. Think, I, I think that's the thing is, you know, you have to accept some losses if you're not going to go all, all out on the spray. Yeah. So here, uh, here's the three point ones. I, I have nothing against the three pointers. I will say that it is kind of a pain in the butt to spray on a tractor because especially if you don't have an electric actuated boom, you know, and you've got to reach back and shut those valves off. It's a long reach. It's hard to do. Uh, kind of weird steering around stuff especially if you got a bucket on there like this tractor does so i, I love I could put it on the vent track if i got the three point on the back of the vent track and it has a you, little switch on the controller there but yeah you could you could um i don't but know it's man. only like, i don't know I, I i don't know what is it okay so let, let me ask you this question real quick you know and and sorry if you're just you know listening on the conversation this is just where it goes we got it we got to satisfy our, our indulgences here so is it what are, uh, I'm going to list some features out to you or some uh, characteristics of sprayers, and I want you to rank them in importance. All right, so capacity uh, or production, okay? That's number one. Yep. Um, ability to spray high volume, right? So we're going to say greater than uh, 1.5 gallons per 1,000 square feet. 
um, precision, right? So that you have, you know, control over, you know, uh, instead of it just being like one nozzle, like a permagreen would be, uh, that you have individual nozzle control or, you know, uh, a couple on on each one, kind of like a, you know, a steel green or a Z-spray or something like that. And then finally, um, you know, added features like, you know, uh, electronic rate control, uh, where you literally plug it in and say, I need to spray it two gallons per thousand, and it's going to measure your speed, and then it's going to adjust automatically based on your speed to produce that uh, that level of carrier volume. So, I want all those pass- things. All. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take it one step further. I'll take it one step further. <laughs> How about, uh, you know, when I say precision, do you want to have you know, GPS with RTK, real-time kinematics, that you can have sub-inch or sub-centimeter accuracy and uh, map out all your spray areas. No, that's that would be nice, but that, that, you know, I got, a, I got a lot Same. of stuff to pay for right now, so I don't, I don't think that's yeah. quite in the budget. I think, I think one thing that is undersold that's sort of an accessory to all this would be a very nice pre-mix setup, kind of like your friend Rick has over there, uh, at the country club that he has got mm-hmm. a sweet, sweet setup and you could probably do something like that on a small scale. So, um, uh, what, what, what's the most important, just tell me what the most important thing is out of all those things I just listed. Uh, I don't Come know. Come on, put me like, on the spot I, here. Inquiring I would minds say precision probably. Precision. Cause you uh, know me, well, I'm, I'm like over the top on everything. So, well then, well, then you're going to have one of the first, you know, RTK stand on sprayers <laughs> then I, you know, there's only a certain level that you can do, but I, I think, um, yeah, that, that helps in terms of, uh, trying to narrow it down. So I think one of those, uh, more traditional stand on types, uh, maybe moving away from the permagreens and the turf wares, which I think are fine products. I have nothing wrong with them. It's just based on what you're describing, you're you're kind of veering more towards uh, a steel green or a Z spray. And yeah, that's kind of what I was looking at. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But because uh, I want to, well, yeah, I, there's going to be a lot of spraying going on, and I would like to be doing more of my typical spoon feed program with like equalizer on. I would this year I haven't really been able to keep up with that, but I would like to do that on my main plots and the larger areas. So mm-hmm. it's going to take some uh, capacity there to do that as well. But all the all the more reason I think you need a nice little premix station because uh, that's the one thing, the one drawback on those units, even with um, you know the bigger pumps that can handle high carrier volumes, their agitation is really not great. So having mm-hmm. a good premix station. We'll work on that, RK. It's just another thing to add to the budget. And John Falcon, if you're listening, yes, I'm doing everything in my power <laughs> to facilitate the spending of money on good things <sighs> and things that will only help the channel. So, all right. Um, let's see here. Uh, who is? Next? We got a lot of questions here, so we're we gonna got, have we gotta to. Keep, we gotta, uh, we're, we're good. We got yep. plenty of time here. So, uh, Ryan, you got your room at your property to do some humic acid testing. Two identical plots, one with humic and the other with no humic. Well, just like we talked about, okay, you would do, uh, I mean, you can do check plots with just about everything now. And I think we've talked about that on a previous mm-hmm. episode, right? Yep. Plenty of room. Yeah, I could do, Plenty of room. I can do some check plots for sure. It's going to be uh, Kevin said, uh, well, first we got he, Great Green North Care, Lawn Care said, yep, up here in Canada, eh? So, yes, he yep. is. 
And you Kevin said, I like my ATV sprayer, getting mine all set up and calibrated. Awesome. Kevin, we'll like to hear about your experience here with that as we go. Uh, Jason said, any thoughts on Berenberg Seed, HGT, RPR, RTF? Um, you know, I'm not absolutely partial to that stuff, but I think there are some uh, better options out there. Just my honest opinion if you wanted it. Very diplomatic, RK. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think um, I have no problem. I know, I know people that work at Berenberg that are are great people and all that kind of stuff. I think HDT, uh, the Barvet cultivar that's in there, that's sort of the star of the show, is a wonderful cultivar. Uh, what ends up happening though, uh, from time to time, is that the other two and or three that end up in that uh, that blend are not always the greatest of uh, Kentucky bluegrasses, right? If I was, you know, be able to choose, you know, one that has, you know, three or four elite cultivars. You know, RPR, um, fine product, use it a ton on, um, you know, overseeding and uh, filling in divots on, on tees and high-use areas. Um, you know, a fine product. I think there's better ryegrasses out there, to be honest with you. And the same thing with RTF. So uh, if you like them, use them. I think that's the, the, the main thing that RK and I always say is, you know, we're never going to tell yep. somebody to not use it because they don't want to. Uh, we just give our opinion and off we go. All right. Jonathan D. McCready says, uh, he's a new member, by the way. Thank you, Jonathan. Nice to meet you. Uh, let's see here. I think he means Grand Rapids, Michigan man here. Go blue. Oh, man. All right. New home. <laughs> my soil is extremely sandy. Hey, he can say that this year if he wants. He, they, they, they beat us last year. So it's whatever. I get it. We deserve it. New home, and my soil is extremely sandy. Did a soil test this spring. pH is 7. CEC was very low at 5.6. Potassium, sulfur, and boron all came back low. I don't plan on doing a full reservation, but I'm worried about the heavy amount of sand in my soil is going to impact growth. I also have a lot of spotted spurge spreading. Interesting. Interesting. So, RK, what do you think about sandy soil? And not just like sand cap, but native sandy soil. What's your first inclination here? Uh, you know, as far as maybe, um, you know, additions of organic material, organic matter, excuse me, uh, to help with that a little bit. And then, and, or, uh, the use of wetting agents. Talk about what you've seen in some of your comings and goings there, uh, out there, especially yeah. on the new property because it's sandier. Well, I, I haven't done a whole lot yet. I've been trying to decide myself if I'm going to try to do anything to amend what's there or in all honesty, sometimes in my opinion, it's not the worst thing to have that more sandy soil because you have some more control. Like we talked about with the soil that I have here, if it were a normal year and it were raining constantly during the middle of the summer, I had a hard time getting that to dry out. I had a lot of fungus that would come, especially if I wasn't watching my watering early on in the beginning. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, You just have to change your program a bit. I've gone after watering slightly more but not longer durations but just more often and that has seemed to work well for me out there and then also you know if you can go more towards lower amounts of fertilizer and not just throwing it on or and hoping that the soil is going to take it in but you know doing something that's more often and lower amounts that's going to work better at least from what i'm seeing and my change in the soil out there too so not necessarily a terrible thing but rd do you have some thoughts maybe on that yeah, I mean, I think the from a, a soil uh, fertility standpoint, with sandier soil, you just need to be a little bit more careful 
uh, as far as, um, you know, applying nutrients goes, because, you know, with your low CEC, uh, you're going to hold less nutrients in the soil. And then uh, nitrogen-wise, with sandier soil, you're more likely to leach through, right? It's, uh, there's not anything there uh, necessarily from an organic matter perspective or as much as there could be to hold that in place. And so uh, what I would tell you uh, is just be careful with your nitrogen apps uh, as a whole. Also P and K. Uh, Michigan soils, for, uh, for example, are usually pretty high in P, but those are like more muck soils, not necessarily the sandy soils, which it sounds like you're in western Michigan uh, and got a little bit more sandy soil. So um, you know, a little bit lighter uh, in the rates, right? So I would never be above, like, say, half a pound of nitrogen at any one time. And uh, I'd probably tend to be closer to you know, a quarter pound or so, a quarter to a third of a pound at a time, and maybe tighten up your frequency where everybody else is going out. Maybe every six to eight weeks, you might be every three to six weeks, something like that. So just be mindful of that, especially as you go into times where there's heavier precipitation. So uh, I know summers are typically a little bit drier up there, but uh, spring and fall can be a little bit wetter. So just be aware of that. And then um, I want to check something here because I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so the other thing, too, um, that you need to be aware of on the Spurge, I'll put this chart, and we'll see if we can link it up. Um, I might be able to do this or find a website that we'll throw it up in the show notes. But... Um, Purdue, actually, I'll just go ahead and put this up here. I think we've advertised this before, and we make absolutely nothing off of this. And forgive me for taking a minute to answer this question, RK, but uh, Purdue puts out a great thing about uh, weed control, mm-hmm. and it's a little book that you can get for, oh gosh, it's like 12 bucks, I think, 20, to download it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I've showed it a couple times this season. Yeah, it, it, it's a great little book, um, and I highly encourage you to get it. Or get the PDF. Uh, here, I'll throw this up. JPink. And you can put this in there for people to find. If you just search for professional weed control for turfgrass Purdue, uh, you'll see this come up. And uh, a great little guy. But one of the things in there that they talk about is indicator weeds. So, you know, certain weeds indicate certain types of conditions. And Spurge, uh, you know, one of the indicator indications that it uh, shows is uh, dry and low fertility soil, which I'm going to say that a sandy soil that's not been taken care of very well could be both, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think if you up your nitrogen, you get some good desirable turf grass in there, you manage your water correctly uh, in times of, uh, of drought and things like that, you're going to have a uh, an A-plus lawn and one that's pretty easy to manage as long as you can get on it often enough. Cool. Uh, let's see where we're at. We are, let's see, I think someone asked about a follow-up question to that uh, POA thing that Jesse was talking about. It just says, add tenacity with that or no? So with the uh, ethyl. With the ethyphemosate? I mean, I would ask mm-hmm. the question of why. Uh, you know, So we know that uh, mesotrion or tenacity will light up POA in terms of you know, it'll bleach it, but it certainly won't control it. There's some, you know, some applied research that suggests that you can control uh, to a certain extent, you know, a, a certain amount of POA in a stand, right? I think uh, Dave Miltner from uh, formerly, I, I think he's formerly of Iowa State uh, and Arizona State, had an article, oh gosh, going back maybe 10, 12 years uh, that put that out. So you can look that up if you're really interested in doing it. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of a suppression tool. So I wouldn't necessarily bank on that having any added or additional effects. I also don't think it would stress... Um, I don't think it would stress bluegrass, but I would caution 
somebody like Jesse who's got ryegrass, right? So rates, you know, approaching yeah. or above four fluid ounces per acre. And I don't know what the conversion is off the top of my head to tell you what that is in per thousand square feet. But four fluid ounces the acre, you will see bleaching on ryegrass for sure. So uh, if you're going mm-hmm. to do that and you have all ryegrass, tread lightly. Yep. Uh, Mike Warmbold is a new member, so thank you very much much mike for joining us here uh ray is here he says problem oh, with battery powered reels is they need torque so mm. it goes back mm. to our discussion there about some of the battery powered stuff growing the grass says late to the party did we discuss the new granular fert and when it will be released uh no we haven't talked about that yet that should be uh this week hopefully we're getting all of our hot, hot you know, damn all of our stuff in a row here and hopefully this week. Um, nice. Got a couple nice. of of the old super chats from Cam T and Patrick Squires. Thank you very much for those. And let's see where we're at here. Uh, Brent. Brent says, nothing like making a lawn mint and watching it go to hell in front of your eyes with your hands tied. Yep, that's been my year looking at my neighbor's yard and no one living there and it getting mowed maybe once every six weeks. So that was gosh, that's that is <laughs> painful. Painful. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Ray see. says I should get PTO because the ability to put down two to five gallons per one thousand square feet. I don't know if you need PTO. I mean, at that point, we're just getting a a big old golf course sprayer. At that point, and then you can go out and you can hammer yep. down. You can definitely yep. hammer down on some stuff. Cam T says, when is RK going to sell seed in lower quantities? Uh, next season. We're uh, working on working on that right now, but it will be next year. There'll be some lower quantity options. Just have to get some, uh, you know, some new bags and all that made and all that fun stuff. So that'll be what we mm. do with that. Nice. Uh, this one is from Jared Watson. Thank you for the super chat there. It said, hi, Ryan. How much do you determine how much seed to use for a restoration project reseed? Turf type tall fescue, been down two weeks. One section is super thin, 5,000 square feet. Um, well, usually for me, I think I just showed this in a video not too long ago that especially with something like fescue or ryegrass, after a couple weeks when I see these areas that are fairly thin i just don't wait at that point i just get some more seed and lightly throw some down in those areas and it's usually not too hard to get it growing just because you already have something there it's much more difficult to get it off the ground so to speak at the beginning when everything is bare but um that's what i do i just don't i think maybe uh, this is just me spitballing here but i think maybe that might be my key to success in a lot of ways with my renovations is that I just don't wait around and say, oh, is this going to thicken up or isn't it? Or this spot looks like a little bit thin. I just put more seed down. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Hey, uh, seriously, though, I, I will say um, if you have uh, turf type tall fescue or perennial ryegrass, like I'm not even batting an eyelash, right, at, at doing something like that. Uh, if you're doing Kentucky bluegrass, you, you got to give it time. You got to give it time, mm-hmm. and um, it can be yeah. you know as, as as hard as it is to watch that lawn fail. It can be equally as hard, if not more so, to uh, 
do nothing and watch it grow in because there's really not you know a whole lot you can't do other than let nature take its course. So be that as it yeah. may, uh, you got to keep. I'm sitting there on my bluegrass plot right now that I just planted. About it's at let's see, today would be 21 days. So mm-hmm. I've mowed like the ryegrass and the fescue like three times, and this is like not close to mowing. So really? that tells you about yeah. So it About sounds like a, a dry a dry fall so far in central Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very much Man, so. We've had stuff. We had, uh, I'll have to send you a picture of it, but turf type Paul Fescue, uh, I think it was an 80-10-10 that was seeded just in like some cleanup areas uh, around a construction site uh, that we did a small field at. And, oh, boy, like it's it, we had just perfect. Everything was perfectly timed with rainfall, very, very timely rains. That stuff was like up in probably like six days and it's probably been down now for about five weeks maybe and i went over and checked it out today and i mean it looks like it's been there forever i mean it looks that good right now very few weeds mm-hmm. you do a little spraying here and clean it up but you know it's all it's so so weather dependent even you know when you don't have irrigation and uh i think too often people kick themselves oh i did this i failed but well you know you need water like you have to have yeah. water and if you don't have control over it there's only a certain amount of success that you should expect. And if you overachieve, then great. Like awesome. Mm-hmm. But so often I have yep. folks that say, Hey, we're going to plant, you know, uh, you know, 30 acres of tall fescue around this school building and leave it unirrigated. You know, uh, how long do you think it's going to take to establish? And my honest answer is about 18 months, you know, before you're fully happy with it. It's going to go yeah. slowly and, and in spurts, right, in terms of areas that, you know, become mature and fill in faster and, and things like that. But uh, it's going to take overseeding. It's going to take a lot of different things uh, to get to that point. And uh, weather is the is the ultimate arbiter of how all that stuff goes. So yep. we will see. That's what you and I have talked about many times on our TurfCast before is expectations. So. Ooh. You, so if you want uh, you want that thing to be perfect, then you're gonna have to have water. And if you want it to be a while before it's perfect, then you can do it multiple ways. Let's and multiple times, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, uh, Michael Chaley, uh, a proud Canadian, another proud Canadian here listening to us, sir. Welcome. Uh, wants to know when will you sell in Canada? I'm not sure if he's talking about seed, product, or all of the above. Um, well, if we're talking about fertilizers and things, there's quite a few different restrictions in Canada. It's not quite as easy to get that all approved and everything. So we've been worrying about what we have to do here before we worry about that. But seed, you need some licensing to get into there. You have to have a seed license and they're pretty strict in terms of what comes into their country and all that stuff. So, um, I'm not sure on that. I guess I can't give you a an answer as to I would definitely love to be selling the grass seed there. So I would say that was probably be something I would work on before some of the fertilizer stuff. Cause there's a lot of restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Um, yeah. I, I wish there was a better answer for that, but you know, you just gotta, gotta follow the law and it's never easy. It's certainly never easy, but uh, you know, Chaley, you know, come, uh, Come over to Windsor and meet us at the bridge. You know, we'll see what we can work out. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a total joke if you're listening, FBI. All right. So anyway, uh, let's see here. We've got a question from a new member. John I, Cruz. I, I, oh, 
Yeah, John Cruz would like to know, could you explain when you scarify Kentucky bluegrass and what the benefits are from it? RK, you want to take that one? You've got the the No, I want tool. you to go. I want you to go first on this. Okay, sure, sure. So, uh I believe there's there's a, uh, absolutely benefit to it in terms of understanding that uh number one, uh the uh, especially if we're talking about elite um cultivars of Kentucky bluegrass, they can get too dense for their own good, right? We have, you know, plants on top of plants, and part of that exists because uh, they're rhizomatous grasses, right? So they're pushing out tillers in the form of rhizomes and have daughter plants popping up. And when that stand gets too dense, um, you know, we see a change in leaf structure. We see a, a, a change in growth habit from time to time. And uh, between the issues of competition for sunlight, other things like that, we want to make sure that the stand uh, is be able to be open. And we want to work on what we call the texture of the grass, right? So a uh, good opportunity, especially when you have, um, you know, good growth potential in terms of, you know, cooler nights, uh, days that aren't too warm. You can manage water if you uh, if you have irrigation or you know you have rain coming up so you can get through a stress period. You know, I would not want to go out. We've got, RK, we've got a forecast uh, coming up here. It's a little cool and chilly here today. Here's our weather talk, by the way. But the yes. next uh, at 10 days in a row, we're mid-80s and, you know, mid-60s pretty much every single day and dry, real dry, real low. I'm going to top you on that day. one. What are you going to do? We are t we are looking at the end of the week. It's showing 90 for, I think it was three or four days in a row, but the lows are at 72, which is bad news for all of our seeding folks who aren't watching their water very well. Well, there you go. Yeah, you got to be careful out there. And, you know, life is tough in Des Moines, Florida. I don't know how you do it, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Pretty much. I, yeah. Uh. I, it, it, it's just uh, it, it's a weird place to live because – uh, all I ever know about it, it, you know, is from you, and it's stifling hot in the summertime. It's bitterly cold in the wintertime. It seems like fall and spring have pretty much disappeared for y'all, and uh, it's depressing. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I I enjoyed the 57 degree morning and having to wear pants for the first time in months today. Uh, yeah. I'm a shorts at work guy, um, typically, and so that's the thing. We we know there. what's going to happen is same thing like you just said we're just skipping seasons so as soon as we get to like october 10th or so it will just drop off and it'll be a high of like 42 and for no reason we go from upper 80s to that i don't get it anymore but i just deal with it there's nothing else you can do no oh, man okay uh <laughs> let's see here we got some more that are chiming in here uh let's see here Kevin Shepard again Kevin. says, yep. uh, Kevin had a question. Uh, he says, uh, RD, late season sand in Kentucky bluegrass. How much sand and how late is too late? Should I skip it this year as I've already stressed the stand with two MSM uh, apps? Okay. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Kevin is in the upstate New York area. So winter comes a little bit sooner. It seems like all the folks that we talk to on here, there's nobody like in that transition zone. I feel like I'm, I'm the, one of the most Southern folks here, at least in the chat and, and, and talking right now, but well, I'm anyway, pretty much transition as it goes. Well, it feels like it, it feels like it, uh, that Bermuda is going to look lovely out there next year, by the way, it's going to look so <laughs> amazing. But anyway, I digress there. Uh, so Kevin, to your point, uh, if I were you, and I know this might sound kind of crazy, but, um, 
I think you're at the point now where you need to just get into a maintenance top dressing mode, which is, you know, if you can, uh, lighter and more frequent applications. So, you know, I would not go more than about 100 pounds uh, per thousand square feet at one time. And, um, you know, that is landed on pretty darn thick, uh, especially for a maintenance type top dressing. So uh, if you can... The most ideal thing to do would be, uh, you know, look at the golf course sand suppliers in the area, which I know there's at least one, if not two, uh, in that upstate New York area, and ask them, call them and ask if they have bagged, kiln-dried sand. Uh, this will flow through a spreader with no problem whatsoever. And if anybody says to you, use play sand or tries to talk you into using that because it's dry, it'll go through a spreader. Please send them my way. I will fight them for you. Okay. Please don't use place. <laughs> That's a triggering right? moment for RD. It is. It is. It's just, it's nails on the chalkboard. Um, you know, it's somebody farting on your pillow at the sleepover, giving you pink guy. It's just not any fun. <laughs> it's no good. All right. Uh, um, let's see here. All right. Uh, oh, Jonathan McCready again. Um, yep. He says, "Yes, sir. Grand Rapids. Uh, I've got I've got a big project in Grand Rapids uh, coming up here, Jonathan. I will be up there here in October, but it's a, a 2023 project. So, uh, have you done any lawn renos in West Michigan or Michigan in general? Laying a Ryan Nor KBG Rye mix tomorrow, so it's sandy but very dry, hard at the top. Should I top dress soil before overseed? No, absolutely not." Do not top dress uh, any any soil out there. If you have any way of breaking up the soil, so I don't care if you get a, a rental lawn aerator, uh, if you, uh, I, I would be okay, RK, in this case with lightly, and when I say lightly, I mean like to a depth of no more than about two inches, doing a little bit of tilling in this case, uh, if at all possible. Kind of break that layer up a little bit if we can, but uh, I would, and under no circumstances, use... Um, topsoil over top of sand we never want to put a finer textured soil like topsoil over top of a more coarse textured soil uh, what that leads to is water hangs up there at the top you get this bathtub effect water uh, seldom goes down and you have issues if you want to uh, let me see if i can find this real quick and if you're looking for a little bedtime story tonight uh water movement <laughs> bedtime story in soils yeah. I will have Jay Pink throw this in to the chat. Uh, this video was made by uh, two soil scientists at Washington State University and uh, out there in Pullman, if you're familiar with the area. And uh, this was made in 1959. Uh, it's been colorized and uh, reads like a dry audiobook. But I'm telling you what, uh, the good thing about soil science, RK, is that uh, absolutely nothing has changed in the way with water moves, how water moves through soil since 1959 at, at the earliest. So highly encourage you to watch this if you're at all some type of a soil nerd or if you are uh, interested in how and why we use uh, certain soils in certain situations um, and some of the myths that are perpetuated uh, by even some folks here in the lawn care space on the tubes. So uh, with that, Jay, or... Um, yeah, I would definitely take a peek. There's a, there's a little follow-up here, too. He said, I did dethatch and aerate over the weekend. Oh, perfect. Yeah, just go ahead and make sure you get that seed in there really good, especially with uh, Kentucky bluegrass. We want to make sure that we have a good you know, eighth or so inch of cover. Um, you know, as far as top dressing with something, 
Uh, I'm not generally a fan of of peat moss. I think it's really hard to put down at the rate that you want to do it. But if you absolutely had to do it, um, go for it. I can't remember if he said yeah, how big his it, lawn was. You could do it fairly like if you did it by hand, you could do it fairly light. Yeah. But there you go. So if you if you try something like that, give it uh, give it a rip. Try it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Cruz says summer during fall here in Iowa. Yeah, that's uh, that seems to be the ticket here the last several years. I'm not sure that I've ever talked to RK in the fall and him being like, yeah, it's like football weather outside. It's perfect right now. Uh, it's usually it's you know uh, deathly cold and somebody might die of hypothermia if they're out for too long and or um, incredibly hot. Roasting. And as you can see from me dying. today, I'm like a little bit red again. Well, yeah. 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 Well, <sighs> RK, you can do it. We, we we trust you. All right. Let's see here. Mike Warmbolt, I'm a member for two months here. He's chiming in. He was up in Canada over the summer helping my dad with his lawn. The only post-emergent we could get without a commercial license was just highly concentrated iron. Yeah. So um, Mike's a great point that in Canada, things are a lot different. For, so for the folks here you know, that we're are probably wondering, you know, what's what's the deal with Canada? Why is it so difficult? Uh, a lot of the things that we take for granted here, especially on the, um, you know, herbicide, fungicide, insecticide front, are not available uh, to your compatriots up there up in Canada. And so uh, there's only so much you can do. Now, there's been some work, RK, on, um, on those uh, natural uh, herbicides that's been done here. At Ohio State, I had a chance to look at that this summer, and uh, better than you'd expect. I, I tell you, one of the interesting things that came of that arcade, and I'll uh, I'll send you some pics in the data here because they're doing uh, some final treatments here this fall. But uh, they were using uh, the full rate on some of these natural products, and then like a one eighth or one quarter rate on like a traditional three way, and spraying mm-hmm. that, and actually having really really good control on a lot of broadleaf species. So interesting stuff there. Maybe yep. something to uh, to mess around with out there at uh, Westbury, you know? Well, I just had acres somebody ask me, too, from Canada recently. They were like, are you going to do any plots that haven't been sprayed or haven't used pre-emergent? And I was like, well, actually, the six that I seeded <laughs> have not been sprayed and did not use pre-emergent. So I think that, you know, can it be done? Absolutely. That was... You know, I had to use glyphosate at the beginning just to kill off that field. That was one application. And then I just prepared the soil. And the best you can do is just get that seed to grow in. You know, whatever you have to do, watch it closely with water. Make sure that it grows in the best that it possibly can. And I think you can have really good results without having to do a lot of spraying after that. But that most important phase is right there at the beginning where, you know, that renovation is happening and it needs to come in and you need to be on top of it. So, Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's the most important thing there is just understanding what you're getting yourself into and uh, making sure that you're prepared to make good decisions. I think that's the one thing that people leave out of all this RK is, you know, uh, they're, they're so prepared of, you know, what's first, what's second, what, what's third. Um, they forget about what's eighth, ninth, and tenth, right? You get decision fatigue and, and you're not ready to go. Um, or you just, you know, turn it to us and you become a junkie for changing stuff and uh, hitting bombs out of curveballs, right? Yeah. Yep. I've never so, changed okay. anything. Oh, man. No, never. I mean, last no. minute. Yeah. There, uh, there's a few There's a few vendors that I work with that, 
when they see my number call, they're probably like, jeez, oh, this guy, gosh. And then they answer, <laughs> hello, this is... That's okay. I'm, I'm glad to be that yep. guy. All right, Gary B., new member. Thanks, Gary, again. Uh, I did a renovation in late July, and I used the Elite Tall Fescue from Ryan's store. Uh, I did my first and second mow. So, hey, listen, things are working out. That's good that you're mowing it. That means uh, you know, something's coming up. So, uh, yeah, just to see. Thank you uh, for the support as well. All right, so Jonathan says he's got about 8,500 square feet. You know, just kind of curious there of you know how much work we're talking about to get uh, seed covered yeah. up, if at all possible, and things like that. Uh, That's not Jesse so much Buscan. done by hand. <laughs> no, I, you know what I was thinking no. though. Do you know what I was thinking for a second before he said eight five hundred square feet? I still think it's a doable thing. I was thinking about cover yeah. grow. Okay. Throw a little cover grow out there. Yeah, I'm actually. We'll we'll talk about this in a moment. I want to make sure we get everybody's questions, but I have a little. Uh, not a little. I have a big experiment that I'm going to do, and I'll tell you all about it here before we get out of here. Um, Can't wait for this. Oh boy, I know it's it's crazy. I had I had this vendor was shaking his head at me today, thinking, "Oh my gosh, this guy he's too much." You get the same, right, so, same look that I do. Yep, just your typical seating. No, no, professor. No, we're not going to do just your typical seating. Not today. All right, so let's see here. Oh, Brent. Brent says, this video was burned into the back of my brain. Clockwork Orange style back in Turf College, LOL. Also, Jesse Bousquet, uh, lots of, of positive things to say about the video. Uh, the soil video that we linked up there, it's, this video is fantastic. It is. Some of the old ones are just great. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, when, <laughs> when will the lawn supply products come with a 40 of Keystone? Well, I'll tell you what. RK, let's make it our mission. All right, our our combined mission. You're already working on smaller packaging sizes for your own seed, which I think is a wonderful thing. I think there's people that mm-hmm. don't want to commit to a big bag, and that's great. But I also think that there's people that may, and we might be a couple of them, that may want to entertain the fact that a 30 rack of Keystone is just not nearly enough. And therefore, we don't want a 40-ounce beer. We'd like a 40 rack of beer. And so yeah. we should endeavor to talk to our friend Bob, and uh, Bob, if you're still listening, I hope you are. Haven't heard from you in a while. We're feeling we're feeling kind of lonely, man. You know, so yeah. check us out. I and, mean, they could uh, be the talk. first. Why not? They could just the be first. the groundbreakers for a forty. I don't. I don't a see 40. why yes. we wouldn't do this. Yeah. Yes, a metric crap ton of beer. Compliments of Keystone, right? The yeah. regular ton was not enough. The thirty rack. I think. Uh, what can you? You can get uh, Bud Light at Costco. I think in like a thirty-six pack. So. It seems that the only the next rung up on the ladder would be a forty pack, and certainly yeah. a, a, a good package size. I, I'm I'm all about this. We'll write Bob and uh, Cruz. We'll, we'll we'll definitely check this out because uh, if we're gonna do smaller seed bags, we got to do bigger keystones. It's just the way the world works. We got to balance these things out. It's like an algebra yep. equation, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So that let's guy see here. root. That guy, Root, is here, and yeah. he says, good evening, folks, and hey, RK and RD, hello to you, sir. I talk with him a lot. He's in uh, Michigan as well. Okay. So okay. he has sent me some very nice homemade maple syrups before. And, oh, wow. Uh, you know, yeah. What's what's? I wonder if RD would be a good candidate for one of those shirts. What's that? Uh, sure. He makes some custom-made shirts as well. We might have to get you one of those. Interesting. I'm always about mm-hmm. custom made shirts. That's that's pretty cool. All right, let's see here. 
Jonathan McCready, uh, make sure you go to the New Holland Knickerbocker or Founders while in Great Lakes, Great Beard, Pizza Pinwheels. I live about 45 minutes from Great, uh, Grand Rapids. Founders has good food, entertainment. Are you able to tell us what project you're going to work on in Grand Rapids? I can't tell you yet. Uh, I can tell you here probably after, uh, I'd say like next spring. I think it'll be okay to, okay to talk about it, but uh, it will be a, a, a very massive project. It'll probably be one of the biggest sports turf projects that's taken place in West Michigan in quite some time. So uh, it'll be fun to be a part of. It's a lovely area. Uh, the people that I've, I've interacted with up there have been great. It's a great place to visit. I had, I had visited there um, actually with my family went on and took a vacation in uh, the Grand Haven area, actually, uh, a couple years ago. And so known some people uh, up in Muskegon. Been uh, So for uh, Jonathan McCready and anybody else in the uh, the greater Mi central and western Michigan area, I have tubed absolutely hammered out of my mind down the Muskegon <laughs> River and had a grand old time. RK, if you haven't been, we should go. Shoot all the breweries up and then go hit the river on a tube. It's a great time. So, all right, yeah. let's see. Let's see, let's see. John Cruz says, is there buried fiber at the new house to keep the live streams going when you move? Can't have Jay Pink's turtle speed at the new house. Oh, I man. do have fiber. I, I have signed up for it, and we're just waiting for that to be installed. So that's going to be exciting. Mm, 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 mm. Yep. Let's see here. Better internet uh, out in the middle of nowhere than I have right now. That's hey, that's the way it goes. And let's be honest too, better dive bars too out in the new place. Just the way it is. Absolutely. Uh Great Green North Lawn Care. Big idea. Keep the same bag size or bag grass seed and then fill the rest with keystone. That is a good idea. You know? Like uh, RK, idea. you know you know what you should do. It's like uh, you know, when you used to get the toys in the cereal box, you know, like your decoder ring, like those those keystones are just the decoder ring for getting drunk. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah. Can we make a keystone for ring? For adults, Bob, I mean it. Bob, we've yeah. got we've got lots of stuff to talk about. You got to get on the horn. We got to set up a Zoom call here real soon. All right. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. Uh, McCready again. Personally, I'm a Keystone Ice man myself. Lived off that stuff in college. Uh, I don't even know. I think RK. You have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe everything else has been discontinued except for the light. And they've got like the the, the, the the lemonade stuff or whatever, like the their version of Natter Days or whatever. I'm not sure what it's called. I probably should know, but it was uh, lime lime something. It was Keystone. Yeah, I, I had it last year, but I haven't seen it this year. I don't think. So they might have given up on that too. Such sad times. Mm. Uh, Let's see here, Cam T. If Cam rye tea. didn't yep. exist, what would be your favorite? I'm assuming grass. Surely he's not talking about rye, the uh, the the liquor. I don't drink. That I'm stuff. gonna I'm gonna say a shocking thing here, and I'm gonna say fine fescue. That's uh, listen. I, I I has has anything grown on you more? I I I feel like um, you know, ryegrass was like your firstborn, and then you did the fine fescue area down there by the creek, and it's like you almost love your second child a little bit more than you want to admit. I think there's some. I think there's yeah. a little sibling rivalry going on on the property, a little bit, a little bit. That, Definitely that, listen, still the love the firstborn the most, and I, that, that's yeah, true. but that that but. shade area, that shade area <laughs> would not be possible with pure rye. It is a magical place. I know that mm -hmm. all of you have seen it all in video. Uh, it is much more quaint and much more. Um, 
I don't know, uh, bucolic and picturesque when you go there in person. So I would uh, yep. imagine it as good as you can think of it and uh, it, just know that it's that much better in person. So, all right, let's see here. Uh, oh, man, that root guy, fantastic, is saying, don't let this guy near your growing project on bad luck. RK, it's slowly starting to come in. Well, you know what? I, I think, um, RK, it bears repeating. You know, one of the one of the things I was told in college, you know, those old axioms that, you know, when you're 20 years old and sit in a classroom, you're like, oh, this person's full of crap. What the hell do they know? Uh, but the, the saying was that the only thing that happens quickly in agriculture is crop failure, which is a very succinct and nice way of saying, be patient, you dummy. And I don't mean to call our yeah. viewers a dummy, but I'm saying that, it can be hard. It can be very, very hard to watch this stuff, you know, get going and take off. But uh, no, you know, um, it's definitely something. He has that, uh, uh, he has one of those scenarios where it's a full sun lawn in a certain part, and then a very shady lawn in other parts, and just oh, that, that's tough. that fun, yeah, that fun bridge in between all that stuff. That is that that's that's not, uh, trees and turf in that setting don't necessarily mix i think that's 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 tough and there is no winning on that i think i saw something about uh somebody threw a question up on one of the facebook things and they had trees big oak trees all over the place and like how come my grass won't grow how come there's moss all over the place and it was just like you know the same thing there was you know 30 feet of open sunny grass and then like just dense shade from like a big white oak and it's like oh mm -hmm. you know you got to pick one here turf or trees so tough yeah Tough crowd, tough crowd. Do you have but, a couple of uh, questions that you wanted to bring to the old uh, cast here tonight? Because I think I, we're about at that moment. Close on. We are. So, okay. Uh, let's see. This one was uh, was sent to me by a, uh, a member here. It says, huge fan of the TurfCast podcast. I'm in California and have had about two and a half weeks of 105 degree heat on my blend of cool season turf. It's irrigated, so it's still green, but very stretch, pretty patchy. I'm planning to do a heavy aeration, scarify, top dress, and overseed going into fall, but not sure if I should give the existing turf any time to recover coming out of the heat before hitting it with all of that, or do I just go for it right away as soon as the temps drop? Would love to hear your thoughts on that, anything you have. Uh, and this is from uh, Rosetta07. So... Uh, sir, thank you for your question. Uh, RK, you've kind of dealt with some of this, especially on cool season mixes where you've had some ridiculously hot temperatures, uh, even late into the year. I'm going to lean a little bit more on you because, you know, it, it's seldom even here, not, you know, as the crow flies 600 miles to the east or so, uh, we don't have triple digit temperatures that often here. Maybe, you know, a couple days a year, if that, that we come close to it. So, I'm going to lean on you here. What have you seen in extreme heat, and how careful have you had to be coming out of that? Um, you know, I mean, we haven't been quite that hot for sure. I think this year is about mm, 30 days of 90 or so or above, so definitely, you know, very warm, and I've been very surprised with some of the results that I've had during those types of things, you know, soil temps over... One time this year, I, I uh, on my ryegrass, I had it at 93. So that's usually the part where you would be like, hmm, I don't know how this is alive, and I kind of am still at that point. But I don't know. I think really all comes down to your management and watching that water closely and making sure you're, all the rest of your cultural practices are dialed in. I know that's not really that great of an answer, but 
that's really what it has been for me to keep everything going. I just have to be really on top of things um, with all that stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I, to answer uh, Rosetta's question is just, um, I would I would hold up. You know, I'd be very careful. I know um, parts of California, particularly Northern California, have had some record heat. I think last week in the Sacramento area, RK, they were 110 plus for multiple days straight. So, you know, any cool season grass is going to be extremely stressed coming out of that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the two words of caution I would give is, you know, maybe uh, scale down a little bit on the cultural practices that you're going to do, number one. Uh, maybe pick or choose between the scarifying and or the uh, aeration, right? So pick one of those two. And then finally is you got to give it at least a couple weeks where you're in good, cool season growing weather and fully recovered because it is going to be stunted. Yeah. It's going to be slow. And um, I, I hate to say that you would lose grass, but it's a very real possibility if it's that stressed and you're going to start hitting it up pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yep, Absolutely. definitely. All right. Um, um, I see another one here from uh, from John Cruz. He says, has Paul gotten the itch for making his huge yard of grass you planted look better since he's working on your property? So Paul, if you uh, don't know who that is, that is the guy doing our building. And he has a YouTube channel. It's about all of the post-frame building that he does and all that stuff if you want to follow along with that. So it is called Mr. Post-Frame. So check that out. But Paul and I, that's how we actually met. Uh, I don't know exactly how I met him on somewhere on Instagram. And I was like, hey, this looks like a cool building. And they had like three <laughs> acres to seed. And I was like, this might be a cool project to do because I'm here in my little yard and I do all my fun stuff, but maybe we should do like a big project. And so I reached out to Paul then and I said, would you be interested in having me come out there and, you know, help me do that project and for content? He's like, absolutely. So Mm. we did that. But uh, John is talking about, he's a busy guy as are pretty, as pretty much all of us are at this point. But we did put in some really good tall fescue out there. I think it's about two acres. And he just told me today, he's like, it looks absolutely fantastic. Made it through all that summer stress and everything that we've had this year, even though he hasn't been on top of it all that much. So again, picking good elite types of cultivars is really important if you want to just let it be during the summertime and have it come back in the fall and do all that stuff. So that's what he he's been excited about it. Could we make it better? Probably. We could definitely oh, you could do some things there, but but it's good good for him. He's happy and again comes back to his expectations. He wanted a huge yard that he can mow that looks fairly green and that's what he's got. See, there you go. And that hey, you know what though, RK? I will say about that the most successful part of that project that I'm aware of is the expectation setting. You know, very mm-hmm. clear and, and decisive expectation of what the outcome looked like, and it's taken a little bit to get there. But hey, the man looks out over his yard; he's happy as can be. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling of accomplishment. So, kudos on that one. Oh, there's a great question, RK. Have you thought about what you're going to do as the final mo quote unquote video yet? Man, the ser- It's like it's not the series finale. Like I don't know how to describe that. It's like when. Uh, you know, when Conan moved from New York to L.A. for the show, for the night show or something like that, it's, uh-huh. it's weird. 
let me say I don't know all of the details of it yet, but I do know the title of the video and I do know sort of the ending. I've been thinking about this for a while and I told Kelsey, I was like, this is what I think I'm going to do. And she was like, mm, are you sure? And I was like, no, that's what I think I'm going to do. So I, I think that I know, but uh, I can't give too much away. It just It's going to ruin all, it if I do. All I'm picturing is... <laughs> Can I give you my 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 guess? And this is going to be totally off base. I'm I'm being completely facetious, so people don't take this seriously. But I sure. think you'll have sp- you'll sprayed out the lawn with uh, multiple applications of glyphosate, and probably do so on camera just to incite <laughs> the environmentalist community. I think that you'll uh, paint your lawn green so that it looks good, and people will think, "Wait a second, did he just unkill his lawn for the final video?" And then it'll still be dead, and with that paint and all the vapors related to it. You'll take a rip of a cigarette, which you don't smoke at all, uh, and flick it down on the ground, and then it'll grouse the light on fire, and then the house for sale sign will go up, and you'll never come back. I don't know. I think it's got a very, <laughs> it's got a very like uh, what did I what did I call it here in the pre-show? Uh, we we need to hashtag that nor uh, uh, nor noir. I think it's 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 mm-hmm. the new, it's the it's the the badass version of RK, you know, uh, unleashed as a character as a meme of yourself, right? So, I don't know. Hey. A man can dream. I'll storyboard it out. I'll send it all over to you. <laughs> you know, you can have it. It's my that uh, that script is my gift to you. Okay, my gift to you. Thank you. Right. You know, as you as you being the producer, I really appreciate that. I, oh, I needed that. I, I the, it, hopefully it will. Uh, you know that that somber and somewhat morbid. Um, you know, uh, iteration of the episode will turn even more happy than it was supposed to be uh, already. So I, I'm just trying to be. The yin to your yang, sir. That's what I'm here to do. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Great Green Orange just said, hey, I've got 22,000 square feet of uh, KBG and fescue mix, and it looks damn good in the spring and the fall. Well, I, I would expect it to up there. That's good. You got to play to the weather, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to make it happen. So, all right, RK, how do you want to end this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my seating thing for the next episode of the Turfcast, which will probably be an audio-only format because uh, I want to dive pretty deep on that. And I should okay. have some stuff to share as a part of that, some some initial thoughts, results, and everything because we're going to start it this week. Uh, large scale, just kind of a little, little preface. Uh, three three plus acres bare ground, and we're going to try uh, six different growing regimens on... Uh, some soil amendment stuff, and also some hydro mulch and some seed covering stuff to mess around Man, with. Man, you're just reps. you're going after it just like I do. This is awesome. I just want to know. I just wanted. I got uh, this. Uh, that's the one thing that connects us, RK. Besides a lot of other things, but the one thing that does connect us is this insatiable need to just know, right? And then once we get it figured mm-hmm. out, it's like, oh, we can do better than that. Let's go again, right? You know, so. Um, <laughs> It's it's a weird it's a weird weird tick. Once you know, have. you still don't know. That's yeah, the yeah, question. Yeah. That's, the that's that that's 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 life, man. That's life. Yeah. So let's see here. All right, listen. Um, anything else you want to talk about for the good of the group? I think we took a lot of questions uh, again. You know, I think I think in the Go next ahead. episode that'll be good too because I'm gonna hopefully be into this whole irrigation scenario that you and I have been oh. chatting about, and we'll have. Love more of that to to figure out. So that'll be good for Those the next episode. Deep conversations on irrigation. I mean, like sketches being exchanged back and forth. Like it's serious. Like 
you know, um, like your uh, wives. Are the, right? you know, we, talking up late at night talking about uh, pipes and sprinklers and stuff. Yeah, it's too huh? bad that we don't have, like, we don't live in tree houses when we were kids and we could paper airplane these over to the next one. You know, that's, that's no, what I'm Zoom, Through the magic of Zoom and the internet, it's actually much better than that. But, you know, um, I still think uh, when we have those late night discussions, I'm pretty sure that we drink like neighbors, you know, being each other's garage. So, uh, that still works out just fine. Thank you, technology, for that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- there's going to be a lot a lot to dive into, a lot to unpack. So, again, if you're new and you're just pop- popping in here, um, uh, we want, definitely want to thank you for joining the stream tonight. It's always a pleasure to get on here and talk with RK. Uh, RK, how can people jump in next time we have a video chat, which should be in just about a month here. We'll try and schedule yep. it uh, on a Monday because... Uh, I don't know if there's any Monday Night Football, and it's never good. It seems like they're never good anymore. But um, <laughs> tell people how they can participate in this, and then talk a little bit about where they can find uh, the audio version of the podcast. Yep. So you can go over to my YouTube channel up in the right-hand corner. There will be a Join button. So if you want to join us for the next episode here and participate in the chat, of course, you can always just watch. If you'd like to participate, we would love to have you join in and ask your questions and all that fun stuff. And then if you want to listen to our audio version, which we, we usually sit down on a whim and just talk about certain things, which we have no plan for, and it seems to work out well, that is uh, right on my website. So go over there. It's rhinorlawncare.com slash podcast. You will see that there. And uh, you know we also usually ask people ahead of time to submit some questions for that too. So uh, be on the watch out for that. And uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I think that about covers it. So I want to really tell you guys that we appreciate you and appreciate everybody watching and participating tonight, all the members and everything and everybody else watching as well. We know it is the first Monday Night Football. So a lot of people are probably watching that, but I saw a lot of people here participating and really appreciate that. We do, yeah. We we're, we're gonna get uh, a poor heat map in Denver and Seattle, and I think that's about it. You know, so um, and it's too it's too dry to grow grass. Good grass in Denver, and it's too rainy to grow it in Seattle. So they probably were gonna watch anyway. I think. I think. Yeah. But there you go. Anyway, hey, RK. Thanks as always. It was good to get on here and talk about nothing but talk about everything uh, for the last hour and a half or so. And we will do it again and pump this stuff out uh, real soon. Also. Before you commute me, thank you to Jay Pink for being the greatest producer on earth. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jay Pink. And we'll catch all of you on the next stream. Hopefully, like you said, in about a month from now, but make sure you are signed up so you can participate in that. Thank you, RD, for being here. And we'll see all of you next time.